getting you ready for a college football Saturday. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome, welcome, welcome to BetQLU. My name is Jeffrey Wright. I'm the co-host of the Giannato and Jeffrey Show weekdays here in Memphis, Tennessee from 2 until 4 Central Time. My co-host is RJ Choppy, the co-host of Shannon RJ, Monday through Friday at 5.30 till 10 a.m. on 105.3 The Fan. He is on Twitter at RJ Choppy. RJ, how are you, buddy? Well, I'm doing great. It's a great week of college football again. Last week, upsets, great games, maybe the best weekend of the year easily. I mean, some have been saying maybe the best weekend since in which, you know, you start to put it up against yeah. some of the best days in all of college football. It was kind of interesting because it felt like the mood going into the weekend was, yeah, everybody's playing, but like, eh, you know, there's the Iowa-Penn State game. I'm not super excited about that. And then those are, you know, it's just I feel like that's the way it goes with college football. Those are the weekends that wind up being special. I guess let's start with, I think, the most significant development that we saw last weekend. Alabama went to Texas A&M, and they did not leave unscathed. I think the big question now, RJ, where are you on the Crimson Tide? You know, it's weird. I've been kind of up and down on it this year. Like, I was super high after the Miami game, and then then I, then I dropped down a little bit. But, look, I, I can't drop them too much. Like, A&M is not an easy place to play. They got five stars all over that team. Uh, Alabama was, I mean, they're not infallible. Okay, they, they, they do have a young quarterback and they just got behind and they, they could not for the life of them uh, catch up. I'm still high on them. I'm not nearly obviously as high as I was maybe, you know, two weeks ago. But I mean, if you were to give me an Alabama point spread still under three touchdowns, I'm probably going to take them. So, I, I mean, we know one thing, right? They're probably going to be in Atlanta uh, in a month and a half for the SEC championship game. So. High, not as high as I was, though. I think this is kind of an interesting development that we started to see. I think for the most part, it feels like the last month or so, I think the, the expectation has been the SEC is going to get two teams in, and it was going to be Alabama and it was going to be Georgia. As you mentioned, I'm still thinking that Alabama is getting out of the West, but I'm not sure if they go up against Georgia. I, I don't, I'm not saying that like there's no chance because obviously those two teams are going to be pretty equal in talent. But Georgia has just been on this mission. And for me, the big question is, am I insane for thinking I think right at this moment in time, the Big Ten has a better chance at getting multiple teams in than the SEC does? No, they might. I mean, they, look at the teams they got. They got four of the top ten. Uh, you, you obviously have an undefeated team. They have team. five undefeateds, and obviously they're going to play each other later, but you still have I was bigger part, they have four undefeateds and still Penn State technically controls its destiny despite right. the Sean Clifford injury. But you have Iowa, who is probably going to be favored in every single game until they get to Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. Ohio State has the one loss against Oregon, but they're still undefeated in conference play. I presume they're going to be at least a touch, at least probably a two-touchdown favorite in every game remaining this season. Yeah. You've got Michigan and Michigan State undefeated. And then, as we mentioned, like Penn State still controls its destiny. It just feels like right now the only way the SEC gets multiple teams in is for Alabama to beat Georgia – Right. And I just don't know if I see that right now. It's going to be tough. I mean, it, you know, Georgia's a good team. Now they, they've got the pathway. You know, they probably don't have a loss of their schedule the rest of the way, although I didn't think they were going to lose to A&M. Uh, but they played Georgia, and that is the key. They have to beat Georgia. Uh, and if they don't, then 
that opens the door for maybe two Big Ten teams or however they shake it. Uh, you know, Oklahoma, you have to throw their name in the hat still. But, yeah, like Alabama still has the path. Like the, They have still the clearest path. Win out and they're in. Georgia has the clearest path. Just keep doing what they're doing, and they're going to make it. Like They've almost sewn it up at this point, minus uh, some slip. But I think what it did do is it does take away, briefly, however, that aura of invincibility that Alabama has, right? Like that first team had to knock him off, and now you see all the other teams like, ooh, maybe we can get him, maybe we can get him, maybe we can get him, and all of a sudden that's when things start to fall apart. Yeah, I certainly don't want it to seem like I I feel like that they're a, a – three, four loss team, but we right. kind of talked about at the beginning of the year. This did have the makings of the typical Alabama Citrus Bowl year where they're, they've got a younger guys coming in. There's still plenty of talent, but usually after a title, the young guys, like it usually doesn't click that year. They go to a Citrus Bowl, Saban yells the entire offseason. They come back and the next year's the, the Alabama year. But I think I'm kind of, I'm kind of kicking myself a little bit because after watching that entire Florida game, sat there and said they're gettable. And I thought they'd be gettable against Ole Miss because I thought Ole Miss was the one team that could score with them. And then we saw what happened and what they did to Ole Miss, and I sat there and just said, well, uh, you know, maybe they're they're Alabama again. And then Zach Calzada has looked just god-awful the entire year. Mm -hmm. And then he goes out and he has, you know, the Will Ferrell old-school moment. He just blacks out and plays the game of his life. And he was just incredible all night, making throw after throw after throw. And then you saw on the offensive line, Mike Elko must have had just the the greatest film session he's ever seen because it felt like he just knew every single way to expose them and, and to get free rushers. And we saw with Bryce Young, he you get a little pressure on him, and you can if you can get him yeah. down. That's kind of been what we've seen thus far. Like particularly the Ole Miss game, he had four or five scrambles where Ole Miss just couldn't get him down to the ground. And he was able to make big plays down the field. Well, A&M got him down to the ground. And then the other thing was it just felt like drop after drop after drop. But at the same time, would you rather have an Alabama futures ticket or an Iowa futures ticket? Alabama. Alabama, without question. Uh, you know, I, I know. I, well, first of all, we know more of the pedigree of Alabama. And what sure. they have, you know, what their what their future looks like, and what they would do in a big game. At least we know the pedigree, what they would do. Uh, I just I just trust them more. Uh, you know, if if they were to win out, I know they're going to go in. If Iowa wins out, I know they're going to be in. I'll trust the athletes on Alabama, the five stars on Alabama, far more than I will uh, on anybody else's team, maybe outside of Georgia. But you're right. I mean, you know, when you when you you mentioned the Florida game, they were gettable. Um, it's it's pretty evident that this team plays differently on the road. Like a lot yes. differently, you know. The and and now look, fairness, A and M and Florida, you know, those are, that two, is, those are two pretty special environments. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about playing at Vanderbilt here. Like Correct. those are legitimate top ten environments in college football. Not easy places to play, and that's what they struggled. Yeah, and I think what we're seeing in general, like throughout the nation, and as you mentioned, like. You know, the, the Vanderbilt game is not exactly any different than it, than it was once upon a time. But we are seeing the return of crowds, I think, have a massive, massive impact. And you can tell with a team like Alabama where it's certainly still talented, but they're a younger talented or maybe they're they're less experienced. And you can start to see on top of that, you've also got a new offensive coordinator. You're breaking in new offensive line. All that stuff requires communication. And we're starting to see them struggle with that. 
And I think that's pretty much a product of, hey, man, fans are back. Yeah. Oh, and part of that, too, is, you know, just like the NFL draft, sometimes the talent doesn't hit. Sure. Sometimes, I mean, how many times have we seen five-star recruits really not turn into the special players we thought they were going to be? Uh, Particularly I mean, on offense. I, usually I yeah. feel like, you know, I haven't done the case study, but it does seem like when you get the stud defensive guy, five-star, it seems like that guy usually pans out because that's usually more size, speed, you know, physicality. Yep. But on offense, I mean, you know, just go and look at the 2019 quarterback recruiting class. You got the likes of Bo Nix, the likes of Spencer Rattler. I mean, Jaden Daniels has been the most consistent and successful guy, but you go through that list and you're like, no, thank yeah. you. Oh, no, absolutely. So you're going to have guys that are going to miss on offense. And if, you know, if you don't hit on them, if you, if you miss on enough of them, then you're skewed, your skewed, your perception – your projection is skewed from the reality of what you actually sure. are. And maybe Alabama missed on a couple of guys this year or this latest class. And now watch them go and run off, you know, whatever it is, I guess seven in a row. They'll, yeah. you know, and just and start to look like they they have. But it's just, I don't know, there's something that, that's a little bit off to me about Alabama. This doesn't feel like a Bama team. One of my really good buddies is a, uh, he he's a writer here, but he's an Alabama guy, and he Ooh. even texted me. He texted me as Alabama was eviscerating Ole Miss. He even texted me. He goes, "I'm telling you, this isn't a Bama team." It's he's like, "Next year's the year." But here's a question: Would you rather have an Oklahoma ticket or an Alabama ticket right now? Uh, Alabama. See, this is the funny thing. I'm with yeah. you on all this. Like, we keep talking about this team being this team being yeah. gettable and like we don't know, we don't know, but it's like, yeah, I think I'd still rather still rather have them. Yeah. yeah, oh absolutely. I mean, because like here's the thing. It's the pedigree, it's the perception, it's our own personal we can't get over the fact we are always slow. We're 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 quick usually, usually we're quick to tear down and slow to build up. Right? Sure. When a quarterback in the NFL has a great start to their career. And then they all of a sudden start to fall off. We're very slow to do that, or we're very quick to do that. But when you have a bad start and then you start playing better, we're very slow to admit we were wrong. Uh, so we'll tear down. We won't build up very fast. And we're tearing down Alabama. But you and I are here, and we're, we're sitting here talking about the same thing, and we are slow to bring Bama down. We're slower than normal to bring them down. I guess this is the question I have. Other than Georgia, because I think we both we both rather have a Georgia ticket than an Alabama ticket right now. Although at plus one thirty, I'm just not hopping on that. Like I just don't see a ton of a ton of value there. Is there any other team out there that you'd rather have? And you can consider value, or you know, or just how you feel about the team. Is there any other team you'd rather have than Alabama right now? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm buying into the talent. I'm buying into Saban. I'm buying into the pedigree. Uh, I, I, I don't imagine. It's Look, it's not Cincinnati. I mean, those poor no, guys. I, I was going to bring up the point. You know, other than uh, wonderful sports writers nationwide that love to close their eyes and tell you how amazing uh, certain stories are. Yeah. The more, the more time goes on. First of all, I think Cincinnati is a very good football team. I think they're just as good as they were last year. But I'm here in Memphis and – Memphis plays in the American. RJ, that 
that league's bad. And mm-hmm. I, I think they can run the table. And I just think that I just think that they're not going to pass the eye test. And that's really no fault. That's the system that it is. But in reality, like it's our job to sit there and go, okay, well, this system is put in place by the power five for the power five. Like it's not, I don't feel like it's our responsibility to, you know, I'm trying to get it right. I'm trying to say, who are they going to pick? I don't, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm not even really giving my opinion of what my four teams would look like. It's just, I'm trying to analyze what the committee would do. I just think the more and more we see college football go on, the less and less I feel like Cincinnati's going to have a chance. It feels to me for them to get in, you're going to have to have the, the big 10 have a two loss team champion or, you know, their best opportunities, a two loss team. I think the same would have to be true for the PAC 12. And I think the same would probably have to be, I think a one loss big 12 team, a one loss PAC 12 team and a one loss big 10 team. I think they're all getting in ahead of them. Well, look, I mean, they need Georgia to beat Bama. Uh, They probably need uh, Iowa to lose at some point and then come back and win uh, a game. You know, who knows uh, they're going to need everybody to have a loss, basically. I, I, I think it would be really tough uh, for the committee to show their face and really explain how a team that's done everything you've asked of them, gone on the road, won at Indiana, gone on the road, won at Notre Dame, undefeated. You got one loss teams everywhere. They've done everything you've asked of them, and you still keep them out. I think it would be tough for a committee to do that. But even if they got there, even if they got to the Final Four, I know they're not going to win it. So, like, I would not take their ticket. No, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, they'll do the, you know, in the end, if they want to keep them out, they'll do the, well, if they would have played a nine-game Big Ten schedule, they would not be undefeated. They'll do that, and then they'll, you know, I think the Americans, sadly, is going to make the case for them pretty easily because I just, I, I do not see many good football teams in there. It feels like now the only team that can maybe get them is SMU because I think SMU yeah. can score a little bit and they can, they can, but SMU traditionally has not had a ton of success against Cincinnati. That's, that's been a defense that gives them a lot of problems. What are you looking for this weekend? Like, I, I think one thing that's interesting for me, I want to see what Oklahoma looks like with Caleb Williams, because I, I know we can get wrapped up in how awesome that second half was and how well he played, but I think he gives them a, a different dynamic. The fact that he is, someone you have to account for running the football. I don't think that it was a a coincidence that you started to see receivers getting more open and starting to look more like the Oklahoma offense that we're used to seeing. I think this is kind of a big weekend because I think there's an opportunity that they might have flipped a switch. Yeah, it's definitely uh, Oklahoma's one of them. Uh, I do want to see how Caleb Williams leads this team. I want to see how Spencer Rattler is on the sideline. I just want to kind of look at, you know, look and see what it is because this dude's going to enter the transfer portal, uh, I, I think. You know, by what the end of Halloween, he'll be <laughs> made his decision. At least the, the only thing is, I can see him waiting till January because he can't yeah. play. You know, like he, his right. only place he can play this year is if is Oklahoma again. But I think you're 100 percent right. I think he is. He is trans. And then obviously, Georgia, Kentucky. You know, I want to see sure. what Kentucky has. This is a much bigger test for Kentucky than it is for Georgia. We're going to talk about all of these games because we've got. I certainly have plays on all these games, and I'm excited to discuss them. We'll do all that during the next segment. Also, we'll find out who is on upset alert. That's all coming up next right here on BetQLU. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome back to BetQLU. I'm Jeffrey Wright. He's RJ Choppy. Let's find out who's on Upset Alert. Upset Alert. All right, RJ, what are you thinking? Man, I'm going to break my own rule here. Uh, I never, ever in the history of my life bet on my team. I try not to. I did last week. I'm going to have to do it again. Uh, on up and alert is the Ole Miss Rebels. This happens to be a five-star best bet uh, on the money line, Tennessee plus 120. Uh, they are taking on Ole Miss. It's in Knoxville. It's Lane Kiffin's homecoming. I don't know how much of a homecoming it's actually going to feel for him. I mean, he was there for a year, barely stayed there. And the last time you saw that place, they were burning mattresses uh, on campus. But you know, Tennessee has played really well offensively the last couple of games. Two big uh, SEC wins over Missouri. I shouldn't say big, but high scoring uh, over Missouri and South Carolina. Hendon Hooker is playing really, really well at quarterback. Obviously, Ole Miss scores like crazy uh, with uh, Matt Corral and company, but this is the perfect kind of game where it could be an upset. Not, you know, they don't play defense. They could be had, so they could be on upset alert. Road game, hostile environment. The place does get loud. Uh, it, it's overrated loud, but it can get very, very loud, especially for this kind of game. Ole Miss on upset alert. Yeah, I mean, if we look back to the Alabama game, I can tell you for sure one thing that definitely gave Ole Miss problems, particularly the offensive line, the crowd got to them. You could tell they couldn't communicate. They had a lot of busted assignments, and this is the first sellout we've seen in years, a true hard sellout at Neyland Stadium. On top of that, these two teams, they have a lot of familiarity with one another. Jeff Levy, the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss, was on Hypel's staff at UCF. I think they're going to kind of know exactly what the other team wants to try to do. And to me, I, I just feel like when I watch both of these teams play, they look very similar to me. I think the one difference, the one advantage I would give Ole Miss in this game is I think Matt Corral is, I think he's the best quarterback in the country right now. Mm-hmm. But on t- yeah. Matt Corral pl- had to play absolutely unbelievably last week for them to hold on against Arkansas. This just feels like a, a, a good spot. And the way that Ole Miss plays games, because they're not shutting anyone down on defense, I think you're always just going to be in the game. I, I don't hate this pick at all. Uh, and look, and I, and I think uh, for Tennessee to win, they, you know, usually you want the uh, the under to hit if you're going to take the dog. Sure. Well, the under's 83, 81. I don't know that it matters. I don't know that it matters if the over or the under hits in this game. You're going to see this could easily be the same kind of game that we saw with Arkansas last week, which, by the way, greatest call in sports history going for two down oh, one. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. No, you had one play. You were going to have one play to win the game and not give the ball back to Matt Corral. Like, and yeah. Yeah, everybody wants to talk to you, you know, well, Ole Miss couldn't st- stop Arkansas. Well, Arkansas couldn't stop Ole Miss either, and they, they had a chance to end the game on the road. I thought that was 100% the right call. All right, I'm going to go with the uh, – I don't 
This is one of those weird ones. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna put Arkansas on upset alert, even though I hate doing this to my boy Sam Pittman. Of course, twelve and four against the spread. There's just something about Auburn this year where I think we want them to be a bigger train wreck than they are. And, you know, all the Bo Picks jokes and whatnot, Bo Picks on the road and whatnot. You see him play on the road this year? He's even against Georgia, while his numbers weren't spectacular. He played really well. They dropped a lot of footballs, and, and he made a lot of big throws. And I also think it's sad that we have to say this, but scoring a touchdown against Georgia's first-team defense, I think, says something because we hadn't seen anyone <laughs> do it thus far this year. It feels like that's going to be a fairly low-scoring football game, and I just kind of think that Arkansas is in that ripe spot when you consider how many big games they've had in a row. You now have the A&M game the Georgia game, the Ole Miss game, is that starting to take its toll on them? I think this is a pretty good spot for Auburn, plus BetQL thinks so too. Man, <laughs> Georgia's allowed 10 points in their last three games. It's so stupid. It's comical. It's not even real. It's not even real. Well, I mean, you watch them play, and every time – like, for instance, Iowa's another team with a great defense. And if you look at it historically – Iowa's defense is like one of the best, you know, five best defenses that we've seen probably in the last 10 years in college football. The problem is Georgia's is the best that we've seen. The best. Basically, yeah. since we started keeping track of expected points added and we started really getting deeper into analytics in college football. Georgia's defense to me is fun to watch. Iowa's is a little bit more like you kind of have to appreciate and see like, how they all work together, but like Georgia's is just over. Like you watch them play defense, you're like, "Holy hell, those guys are awesome!" They're they're all, they're big too. They're and big fast. They're fast. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like, you know, this was something that it's almost reminiscent of what we saw like 15, 20 years ago. Everyone was talking about, "Oh man, the, the SEC speed, the SEC speed." This was during that like six or seven straight title run they had. Georgia's taking it to the next level here with this defense. Like, they've got guys that are 350 pounds who are running at the speed of safeties. It, it really it doesn't make sense. It's not fair, quite frankly. It's really not fair. And they travel. Like, the defense is going to travel everywhere. It's not like an offense where, well, you know, you might go to a road hostile environment. You can't, hear the, you can't get the snap count right. You can't do anything. All of a sudden, you're behind the chains. You're screwed. No, the defense is going to go everywhere. No, I'm in 100% agreement with you. Let's go to that game. The number one team, of course, the Georgia Bulldogs, hosting number 11, Kentucky. It's a fascinating game because, RJ, you first look at the line and you sit there and go, man, that's disrespectful to Kentucky. Didn't we just do this with Arkansas? And I think yeah. Arkansas and Kentucky are, are similar type teams when you look at talent, you look at philosophy, whatnot. This is one of those situations, man. I think I'm just – I'm not even going to think about it. I think I'm just laying the number and I'm taking the dogs because when I look at what Kentucky wants to do, it feels like it feeds right into the hands of Georgia. It feels like that they they kind of have similar philosophy philosophies. It's just Georgia's doing it with five stars. Did you see what the over-under on this thing is? I think it's 44 and a half. That is crazy low for a college football game. RJ, the – the team total for Kentucky is nine and a half. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, only only two teams have scored more than that, and one of them was by a half point. 
and it was a pick six. Like, oh, well, the, the South Carolina scored like a, a defensive score, and then yeah. they had kind of a broken play. They got to 14, but you know, Auburn has had the best offensive performance. They got a field goal in their first drive, and they got a second half touchdown. That's it. That's it. it it's it's really wild what Georgia's doing. Uh, but that's a very low number. Too low. I know Kentucky's got a good defense. But that's just too low for me. Uh, it's almost scaring me away from it. It really is almost scaring me away from it. A couple other notes on that game. Since 2017, Kentucky is 6-1 and one against the spread as a home underdog. However, this game on the road, 6-7-1 as a road underdog under Mike Stoops in that time. Also, 1-3-1 against the spread when the spread is more than 14 and a half. I just feel like this, I think Georgia's that team this year. This really reminds me of the 2011 year, RJ, where it's like Georgia has become that LSU team, and I don't really care what the number is. I'm just laying them every week. Uh, look, I mean, that 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 is, that's interesting that you bring that up because, you know, I also want to know about Kentucky. Like, how well do they play with success? Sure. They, they haven't been in this position very often where they're, you know, a borderline top 10 team. And they probably would be a top 10 team. They started the year a little bit higher than they did, um, you know, in, in the preseason rankings, which that's a, that's an argument for a different day on preseason rankings. But, yeah, Georgia's the, ty- the type of team that you, you almost are there. And some people might be where you take the number and I say yes. Yeah, I, I think for me, you look at them, I believe the only, the only number they didn't cover this year was the South Carolina game. And if you watched, like, Georgia was the right play that entire game. And it's not even just that they're they're winning. They're covering by, like, 10 points. Like, it's, it's, it's no sweats. All right, Iowa has a big win last week. They're going – or a bigger pardon. They're hosting Purdue. This number feels a little small at 11.5. Did that, did that send alarms up for you? It was just like Michigan-Nebraska last week. Uh, yep. It just seemed a little bit small. Um, and, and Purdue – you know, they might be a team that can give you a scare. They might be a team that can get you. I don't think they can get Iowa in this game, but I think they can make this a very uncomfortable second half for them, where Iowa is up by three, down by two, tied, whatever, in the final, you know, going into the fourth quarter, and Iowa scores a couple touchdowns and makes it gets a backdoor cover here. It could be one of those type games. I, I think this has got a chance to be a really fun game from a – close score perspective it may be sure. maybe an ugly game but I, I do think this game could be close that line that line threw me off yeah I I kind of started trying to think about it I think you're right it feels like I was gonna play the NCAA tournament game the the score's close but the basketball wasn't pretty like, you know what I mean like yeah. it, it yeah. Like, but because because the games are close and their stakes it feels it feels big I think really what this says to me more than anything is Iowa's offense is just that bad. And there's a reason why, though. Like, there's three phases, and I think Iowa's great at two of them. I think defensively they're great, and I think in special teams they're great. But that one to me is just like I want nothing to do with that line no. whatsoever. I, I don't either. And, and, you know, Iowa's offense is so bad. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, if they were to play Georgia and the Natty, I don't even know how they would physically score a point. I mean, I think you have to like you'd have to hope that like your awesome punter hits a you know hits a yeah. moon ball. The Georgia kid drops it, and then Iowa gets the ball with like the five, and they they're able to put five yards together. I was thinking kick a field goal. 
yeah, yeah your, your points your points taken. Like, you know, it, it's going to have to be one of those weird type scores because I don't know how they win that game. I really don't. I, I don't know how they score against Georgia. I don't know how they score against Alabama. I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I think they would argue, well, we don't know how they're going to score on us. And it's like, well, maybe Sean Clifford doesn't get hurt. I, I watched every snap of that game. I knew how that game was going. And you, we can rewind the tape on last week's BetQLU in the action. As soon as Roberson came in and he wasn't able to catch the, the very first shotgun snap, I yelled on the show, let's take Iowa. Let's take Iowa. Because, like, you could tell that kid, that yeah. kid was not going to get the job done. All right, here's an interesting one to me. And tell me, tell me if I'm, if I'm uh, taking the bait, if you will. Okay. I want to lay the 13 and a half with Oklahoma. TCU, I think we still just assume that they're good at football. They're really not. And also defensively, they've not been very good. I think that we might have seen a big turning point for Oklahoma. I don't think it was any coincidence that Kirk Herbstreet was talking about the Oklahoma sideline after Rattler got benched. You know, if anyone watched QB1 with Spencer Rattler, he's a he's a weird kid. Really yes. weird kid. And I never got, like, guys want to play for him vibes. I did get those vibes. Like, every time Caleb Williams came in, you saw the sideline. They were bouncing up and down. Like, it was very obvious to me. I think that Oklahoma might have done a little addition by subtraction. I think I want to lay the 13 and a half here. I think I would lay the 13 and a half, too. Oklahoma, uh, sorry, TCU plays good against one team, and that's Texas. Texas. That's it. Like, Gary Patterson spends all offseason worrying about Texas. That's all he does. And they always seem to cover against the Horns. So uh, I, th I think Oklahoma's a decent bet here. They're certainly a more talented team. There's probably only a handful of guys on TCU that could even start for Oklahoma. Uh, maybe not even start. How about be the backup for Oklahoma? TCU's program is still being thought of as the one that had Andy Dalton quarterback in it. Yeah. It's still being thought of as that team. And they're just not, uh, you know, I, I live right down the street from campus. I mean, I'm 20 minutes away. It is, it's a, it's a good, it's a good yeah, program, but it ain't on the level of Oklahoma. And it is not on the level of scaring Oklahoma either. They could scare one team and that's Texas. And they can only do that at home. I, I, I'm with you. I just, you know, now you're hearing rumors. Maybe Max Duggan is banged up. Evans, the running back. I think Evans is the only guy that, would fit in uh, fit in nicely yeah. at Oklahoma because that guy is a stud. But if he's banged up, also they don't feed him. Like you know, I mean, give Texas credit; they have Bijan Robinson. They sit there and go, "Here you go, young man. Uh, yeah. Take take it all you want." And TCU doesn't do that. All right, let's let's close here. Is it going to be a bad time to be Mississippi State this weekend? Uh, I, I you know as soon as as soon as A and M uh, put the final nail in the coffin of Alabama. I did have to go check the schedule because I know we're usually the third Saturday in October. And I was like, wait oh, yeah. a second. I'm looking at the calendar here, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, thank God it's really? Ole Miss. Whew. Thank God it's not Alabama. I was like, huh? Because I do not want to be the team after. No. This is the you're driving 55 miles an hour after you get pulled over week for Alabama for, for, for the players. They are going to be on their P's and Q's because Saban, you know Saban secretly loved that game. The John Calipari, the we needed the loss to get him focused. You know, Cal yeah, Cal always do that. Yeah, you you know it. So no, I 
I, I, I don't even want to see the score of that game. I, I know who's going to win. I don't want to feel too bad for the kids at Mississippi State. Also, under Mike Leach in home games, the under 6-2 for the Mississippi Ooh. State Bulldogs. That totals 58. You might hear a little bit more about that in just a bit. When we come back, Baylor hosts BYU. And RJ's got a special way to play this game. We'll talk about it next right here on BetQLU. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome you back to BetQLU. I'm Jeffrey Wright. He's RJ Choppy. You know what it's time for? It's time for Head Fake Games. Head Fake Games. All right, let's do it. Head Fake Game of the Week. Now, of course, a head fake is simple. You in make-believe land pretend that you are a giant betting syndicate and you have the power to change the line with a small bet. So what you do is you fake the casino out. You, you, you like a team minus six, you bet on the team that is getting six. Small wager, very small, like 10%, knowing that when, the, when you make that bet, the casino is going to drop the point spread in your favor, and then you come and hammer it over the top. Well, this week, we've got Baylor and BYU. Baylor is a six-point favorite. Baylor, I think, is going to win this game. They should be much more than six. They should be about 11 or 12-point favorite over BYU. And this is an interesting one because every fake handicapper or sports book is going to have BYU as the darlings, but the Sharps are going to be on Baylor for one reason. BYU has not beaten a single team in the top 20 EPA on offense except for Arizona State. And Arizona State outgained BYU by 100 yards. But they committed four turnovers and had 17 penalties. Baylor happens to be 20th overall EPA on offense. Their only loss to Oklahoma State, who's 27th in the country on EPA defense, and BYU is near 70th. Translation, Baylor's going to score early. Baylor's going to score often. And BYU is not going to be able to keep up. Uh, I think this game is going to be around, you know, 35-20. 40 to 25, somewhere in that range. So, Sikkim Bears, as they say in Waco. I hope you're wrong about that. Oh, man, that's terrible. <laughs> I hope you're wrong. But when you lay it out like that, eh, I'm, I'm afraid I'm wrong on that. <laughs> BYU looked slow last week, man. They did. If you looked at the postgame win expectancy, their turnovers killed them. Yeah. And – Post-game win expectancy. They, they should have won that game. I think it was something like 80% if, if that yeah. game gets played any other way. But nonetheless, that's why they play them. And because of that, let's find out what we're going to be playing on our betting cards. The betting card. All right, RJ. All right, let's see. I've got uh, seven teams plus a little three-team parlay that I got for you at the end here that I'd love to do. Uh, I got Ohio plus nine against Buffalo. That game's already – I got it at plus nine. It's already been bet down to eight, so I'm on the right track here, I think, on this one uh, with Ohio plus the nine points. Uh, Michigan State. I do like Michigan State to cover the four and a half. This thing started at three. It's uh, it's already up to four and a half, so I like Michigan State. Uh, obviously, Baylor minus six uh, against BYU. I will take Duke plus 11 against Virginia. This is a battle of like the two great schools in America. Carolina minus seven against Miami. I think this spread should be closer to 12. I think Miami has basically quit. 
Cincinnati, they have one way to get in, and that is to stay undefeated and beat the absolute doors off everybody else. Give me Cincinnati minus the 21. Uh, the computer uh, that I – I've got a buddy who's got a little computer model that he has been working on, and he says he likes UK, UGA under the 44 and a half. Uh-uh, man. I cannot take a bet that low in college but isn't football. That, doesn't that sound like a blast? It does. It really does. It sounds so – I might just take it just to have something different to root for. Uh, but I'm going to go over on that one. And then a pizza money parlay, $10 bet. It's the cost of a pizza. It's nothing. But this three-team parlay pays you 23 to 1. Usually it's 6 to 1. Wyoming plus 140. Kent State plus 215. And UTEP Go Miners plus 220. $10 gets you 230 on the pizza money parlay. All right. Here's what I've got. I've tightened it up. I think we only have 15 plays this week. A couple oh, of these, man, if, you're listening, if you're listening to us on Friday night, they may have yeah, you may you may decide whether or not you want to ride with me or fade me based on how these goes. <laughs> Starting in 2019 in the national championship game, Clemson is five and 13 against the spread. They failed to cover the spread in each of their last six games. I'm taking Syracuse plus the 13 and a half. You need a little more football. I think Syracuse defensive front's pretty good, and the one thing that we've seen that has given Clemson problems all year is their offensive line. I'll take the 13 and a half. Oregon has failed to cover each of its last seven games as a favorite, including a 21-17 loss last year to Cal. I'm going to take the Bears. Give me the 13 and a half. Tomorrow, I'm going to spring the trap. This feels very much like a trap. Texas A&M laying nine against Missouri. I think that it might have been a flip-the-switch moment for Texas A&M in that they might have started to figure out, okay, this is what our identity is. Calzada's starting to get a little more comfortable. I don't think there's a better team to play after a big emotional win like the Alabama than Missouri because they can't stop the run, and I feel like that's a pretty good spot for Texas A&M. I got this one for you, RJ. This feels like I'm going to regret it, but at the same time, I just kind of trust my eyes a little bit. I'm going to take Oklahoma State plus four. Since 2017, a favorite that is ranked between 20 and 25 is 4-8-1 and one against the spread against teams that are ranked between 10 and 15. That's exactly what we have here. Oklahoma State, number 12 in the country, undefeated still, taking on number 25, Texas. I'll take the four points. Uh, I just have a fade LSU principle right now. I think that team has quit. Uh, Keishon yeah. Boutte, losing him, obviously that's going to be horrific. But also from a football sense, I have a rule now. If a team can run the football, you take them against LSU because LSU can't stop the run. And then on the other side of the ball, Florida leads the SEC in number of quarterback pressures. They have the second best pressure percentage on quarterbacks right behind Georgia. That screams bad, bad, bad for me uh, for LSU. I'm going to take the under in Arkansas and Auburn. That right now at 54 currently. Arkansas has not allowed more than 21 points at home, and Auburn has yet to score more than 24 on the road. I think both teams want to run the football, get the clock going. I like the under there. I'm going to take Pittsburgh, minus five at Virginia Tech. Since 2017, Pittsburgh is 16-7-2 against the spread when the spread is within a touchdown. So Pat Narduzzi, if it's either short favorite or short dog, that's where he is money. I'm going to lay the 21-and-a-half with Georgia. Kentucky, great team at home, 6-1 and one against the spread as an underdog. However, during that span, 
six, seven, and one as a road dog, including one, three, and one against the spread when it's more than 14 and a half points. Also, the last time, last two times, a top 12 team has been an underdog of 23 points or more. They have been absolutely routed in the contest. I'm going to take the dogs. Baylor BYU, it was your head fake game. I have this little note here, RJ. BYU, seven and two against the spread since 2017 as a road dog. I'm Ooh. gonna I'm gonna spring that trap. Give me the Cougs. Oh, Alabama man. and Mississippi State, as mentioned, with Mike Leach. You think air raid, you think points, points, points. Eh, air raid's more of a ball control offense. I'm gonna take under 58 because the under under Mike Leach is six and two when the Bulldogs play at home i see everything you're saying with the tennessee game and in fact i've played tennessee a lot the last few weeks and it's been pretty good to me with it with the spread just being a field goal i think yeah. these two teams are very very similar and i think corral's the better quarterback despite the fact that i think hendon hooker clearly makes tennessee better with it just being two and a half i'm gonna lay the two and a half i just think in the end if i think Ole miss is more likely to win i'll take it and only lay the field goal I think this could be a trap, too, but I'm interested to see it. I think Utah's been playing better. Ever since they ever since they made the quarterback switch, Arizona State, it's going to be in the 40s. It's going to be cold. It's going to be wet. Arizona State feels like a hot team. Like, they need they need the elements right to me. I think Utah, <laughs> I, I, I think I'm just going to take it right now. It's a pick them. Give me the Utes. Also, I think UCLA isn't bad. And I think Washington is. I also think UCLA has an identity. They know what they are. It's not a perfect football team, but I think that they have more ways to win. Give me UCLA. I'd take them on the money line if you can find it, but I think right now it's hovering around one, one and a half. And then our nightcap. I have great news for you, RJ. Hawaii off the island. The over is three and oh. More importantly, Nevada, the over, no matter where they play, it's four and one. BetQL says that this should be a 64-point total. We're getting it at 61. Give me the over to end the night. Like, that's just how you want it to be. This is what sucked about college football recently. Hawaii mm -hmm. became an under team, and you're like, that's not the last thing I want to see before I go to bed. I don't, no. I don't want to under there. I want points, points, points. Yes. You want to be able to turn that game on at 9 o'clock at night, stay up yeah. till 1.30, yeah. and watch a 55-50 to 50 game. That's what you want Amen. to see. You don't want to see that. You want to see the Colt Brennan. Uh, uh, Hawaii teams and what they were doing. So, That's yeah, I'm with you on that one, man. I am absolutely with. This is going to be a uh, this going to be a good weekend. I am fascinated to see uh, how Oklahoma plays this week. I'm fascinated to see how Georgia plays and Kentucky really. Uh, and then, quite frankly, I'm fascinated to see how A&M plays with a little success. Oh, I completely agree. I, the, there's a. I feel like there are opportunities for teams to kind of establish what they are. And I'm interested to see that. And I'll be honest with you, man, I'm freaking fired up for the Tennessee Ole Miss game. I think that game's going to be a blast to watch. It's obviously not going to have anything to do big picture with college football no. this year, but I just think that's one of those fun college football games that I'm excited to watch. Well, it's like Arkansas Ole Miss last week. It didn't really have yep. any title implications, but it was a fun game to watch. And we're going to see those games every week, and it, it probably just happens to be that way. I think Ole Miss is going to be in the fun game to watch just about every week anyway, because we love seeing great quarterbacks play. And, and you know, Corral is – I'm with you. I think he is probably the best quarterback in the game uh, in the college in college football. So we want to see that guy play. And then on top of that, 
their defense isn't great. And when your defense no. isn't great, you're going to just get involved in those kind of games where it feels like anything can happen. Was there anything on the five-star bet board that you saw that you liked? I know they have a play on Rutgers and Northwestern. I want absolutely nothing to do with Rutgers and Northwestern. <laughs> I uh, look. I uh, I grew up in New Jersey. I'm always I'm always interested when Rutgers actually has a semi-competent football competent program. Competent football team. Yeah, that's it. It's all they ask for there. It is not a bad state for recruiting, comparatively speaking, for for a northern state. Uh, and so I'm always interested when Rutgers has a semi-competent team. We are here each and every Friday night at 11 Eastern, and also when you wake up all morning long on Saturday. Then once the games kick off. It's BetQLU in the action. Eight hours of in-depth college football preview and reaction. It's all on BetQL, and it's all available on the Odyssey app. First four hours are with RJ. I'll be with you during the second four hours. Another fun week. Good luck to everyone on the bets. He's RJ Choppy. I'm Jeffrey Wright saying thanks for listening to and watching BetQLU.